Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. This is episode 99. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you are listening to one more episode before we hit that magic number of 100. It's been a a year of great content and listening to some great speakers. You know, this episode is being brought to us by Sue Shanahan with her Kickstarter project called Glory in the Morning. It will be ending in about 10 days from the recording of this uh, episode, and she has been a a generous sponsor of the show, and so we want to say thank you to Sue, and good luck with her project. I think it's at 95%, so I think she's going to do great. It's a children's book for the iPad, and she is an author and illustrator. She's actually been on the show, so you've heard her before. All right, I've kept uh, our minimum amount of uh, endorsements here today because I have a guest that I really have uh, enjoyed speaking to here before we started recording and I wanted to give as much time as possible. You have, you know him because if you're in the board game space, you have read what he's had to say and he's one of those people who has the enviable job of being able to report on and be right in the middle of our beloved board game hobby and he writes for Geek Dad and my guest is Jonathan Liu. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Richard. Dude, you've got like a like the most awesome job out there, particularly if you're a board game fan. <laughs> I guess job isn't the right word. Uh, what did you call it? Uh, uh, I, I, my, my self-sustaining hobby. Self-sustaining hobby. You are an author. Not you are an author. You write for a journalist for Geek Dad, which is located on Wired.com, and you cover. Uh, what spaces do you cover? Well, uh, I cover uh, board games, books, and. Um, uh, and iPad apps. Those are my those are my three big ones. Um, the site itself covers you know all sorts of things. I also do write about parenting. I write about being a stay at home dad, uh, trying to get my kids to grow up bilingual. You know, so it, there's there's a host of, of different things, but probably my three my three big uh, areas that I cover most are board games, books, and uh, apps. Well, and so we're going to talk about the board games because um, what prompted me to reach out to you, and I appreciate you being on the show, was that I follow you on Twitter, uh, and I kind of kind of watch what you write about, and you write a lot about the board games. But you you tweeted at one point that you just had to that you kind of put a moratorium for a while. It lasted like a day, I think, that you weren't going to write <laughs> any more about Kickstarter for a while. And I found that really interesting that you'd actually have to kind of tell yourself to stop. Stop doing that. What would what would prompt that? Do you remember that tweet? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> that, that that was my I think my second time at attempting a moratorium on, on Kickstarter. One was actually a, a month long moratorium on my own spending on Kickstarter, oh. um, which which lasted I think a couple weeks. I missed out on some great projects, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, part there's two reasons. Um, one is is simply, you know, I. I, I love Kickstarter. I love cruising through the site and finding projects. And, and when I find a cool project, I want to tell people about it. Um, but at the same time, I realize, you know, if I'm writing about you know one new Kickstarter project a day, most people can't fund that many projects themselves. You know, and so if I if I give you twenty board game Kickstarter projects in a week and say these are all really great. Uh, that I don't think that that's really helpful for my readers to be able to say, well, here, where, where should I be putting my money? Um, and it may not be as useful for the individual projects to say, well, look, you know, you're lumped in with many different things. Um, so 
that that was part of it. The other part of it is simply that um, I I also do get uh, sent review copies of board games from you know that that are published, right? A, a board game company, you know, from larger companies, uh, existing board game companies, and and I have a, you know, I feel like a responsibility to to try those and write about them. But with Kickstarter, you know, I I have a deadline. I, I have this very hard deadline of, well, if I don't write about it before their campaign ends, it doesn't help them. Yeah. And, and so what I, I ended up doing a lot of times is, you know, I have this board game that's been sitting there on my shelf, you know, that's published. It's out being go and buy it right now. But I also have this Kickstarter prototype that this, you know, these three guys got together and made this prototype and they sent it to me and they have... 10 days left in their campaign, you know, which one am I going to cover right now? Um, and, and that, that's been a, a tension for me, um, for a lot of this, this past year, actually, because I feel like, you know, the Kickstarter board game space has really taken off, you know, the past two years, year and a half. It, it really has. Last year at this time, we were just starting to see the ramp up of, uh, uh, D-Day Dice was going to hit pretty soon. Yeah. Um, the folks at Carnival were doing a great job of their campaign at Dice Hate Me Games. Mm. Uh, you had um, Schlock Mercenary, the board game, was going to hit 80000 You had uh, Vampire the Masquerade from the RPG side that was doing 90000 that just you know, crept up on people and they didn't even realize that. Yeah, right about this time last year, a lot of people were talking about a bubble because it was just ramping up so quickly. Right. So you've been writing for Geek Dad, you said, for about, uh, about three and a half years, right? Right. So yep. in, in that time, then, you've seen this transition. What do you see Kickstarter doing to the board game industry as a whole? Um, well, you know, I mean, for one thing, I think uh, it has certainly opened up avenues for getting a board game published. Uh, I, I actually backed one... Uh, in June of 2010, called uh, Inevitable, and it was it was by you know uh, Jonathan uh, I don't know how to say his last name Lystico. Uh, he he had a this you know sort of dystopian future. Uh, it's a TV theme show, like Smash. It reminded me of Smash TV. This board game that he and another designer had come up with and said. You know, no no publisher is going to buy this thing. So, you know, we found this thing called Kickstarter, and we're going to put it on Kickstarter, and you can help us get this game published. And you know, 2010, this was the, this was the only board game project I'd ever seen that was crowdfunded. And I said, hey, that's really cool. You know, I don't know if I like this game or not, but I like the designer. I like what he's done in the past, and this is an opportunity for me to actually support something. And, and make it happen, right? And I remember I thought, you know, that was a it was a seventy five dollar level to get this board game, um, and I said, okay, I've never spent seventy five bucks on a board game, but yeah, this is kind of a neat opportunity. I'll try it. And you know, the board game came, and I thought it was eh, okay. It's, it's funny, but it's not. A, it, there, there weren't. It wasn't really deep mechanically. You know, it was just kind of a, a humorous take on, you know, roll your dice and do stuff sort of game. And then I don't think I saw any more board games on Kickstarter for another 
you know, more than over over half a year. Uh, I didn't really, you know, I didn't see things taking off. But then now you see it's it's become a, a very um, normal path for a lot of people to say, you know what, I've got a board game that I'd like to get published. You know, do I try to shop it around to some of the big companies like you know, Rio Grande or, or Place of Wonder? Do I, do I try to sell it to somebody? Or do I run a Kickstarter? And I think it's become more and more um, common for people to say, well, you know what? Look at all these other board games that have funded successfully on Kickstarter. This seems to be a good way to do it. Um, and, and I think even, it even makes, it makes sense because you know how many, you, how many customers you have. Right. I think that's the, that's the whole idea of Kickstarter in general, not just for board games, but to say, well, here's how, you know, here's how many copies I need to print to be able to make it worth printing. Um, so if I get that many customers, then I can print it. If I don't get that many customers, then apparently there's not a market for this thing. Um, that, you know, that, that totally makes sense to be able to have that upfront upfront investment. When you, when you backed that first game at $75 and that game came and you have this product in your hands that was obviously not worth $75 if you'd bought it retail, did you feel at the time that you were somehow ripped off or that you had been duped? No, I mean, you know, I, I think I was, I was maybe a, a little disappointed in the actual gameplay. Um, but I was... It was exciting to to think about, you know, at the time. I think it was really exciting to say, "Hey, you know, I helped them get this game made, right. so that they can now take." It. I mean, because I, I know at the time, and that that was a difference from how it's probably done now. At the time, you know, the people who back that project are paying a higher price for a game than the people who are buying it retail. Yep, oftentimes they and, are, and and that was. And that was a known factor beforehand. I mean, I think, you know, you, you knew that if this project succeeded and they managed to print the games um, and then we're, we're going to continue to sell it, that they weren't selling it for $75 later on. Yeah, you saw it with uh, uh, several games that have come. Because now you go out there. You know, last year there were, uh, there were 200 total. There were 116 total games successfully funded last year in 2011. Mm-hmm. 116. Well, if you go out on KickTrack right now and look, I think there's 200 to 300 games right this minute on Kickstarter right, right now. <laughs> right. You know, and half of them are going to fund. Um, do you see has, – has this attitude changed? Because you, you're in the business of professionally covering board games, right? Uh, that's what you do. You write about it. You report on it. You blog about it. Are, when you talk about Kickstarter, are, are you seeing or feeling, a, um, is there a quality change? Is there an attitude change that, okay, I'm now starting to deal with a retail-level quality product, and I expect that as a backer? Um, I think, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky subject because it does depend on, um, it depends on a lot on the backers. You've got a lot of, you got a lot of people who are first-time First time Kickstarters, right? They're, you know, this is this is the first project they've uh, created on Kickstarter. But not only that, they have never backed anything on Kickstarter. Right? And when I think when I see that on a project, it, it does give me pause because those are the ones that I know this person is going to have delays. This is this person is going to have all the common delays that all these other projects have already had. 
but they, they don't, don't know about it. They don't know right? it. Right. <laughs> right. They don't know it. Um, but I think uh, with uh, Game Salute, who is sort of this, you know, this umbrella publisher and handles the distribution, and they have all the contacts, and they've run, they've helped run so many Kickstarter uh, board game projects now that that's been a great way to, you know, one of the great ways to gauge a project and say, oh, look, you know, Game Salute's behind it. And it doesn't necessarily, like, it doesn't guarantee to me that it's going to be a great game that I enjoy. Usually, it it means it's worth checking out. But it does mean, you know what, I know there's someone back there I, I, behind this project who's going to take care of the printing and distribution, right? And so then you can focus on, you know, does this look like a fun game? Right, gameplay. Yeah. Right, and not, am I going to be waiting a year and a half for this game after the campaign finishes. Sure. And I think that's what people are learning is that do you want, when you go to a Kickstarter, and this is what I talk to other people about, do you want to be a game designer or do you want to be a game publisher? Because very seldom can you actually successfully be both. Right. And when Kickstarter people get in there, they forget that, you know, the easy part, the easy part's getting the the game, the the money, right? Getting Mm -hmm. the game up there and getting the money, oh, that was easy. Now, manufacturing, distribution, delivery. Yeah. All yeah. of that becomes uh, a major challenge. Tell me about writing for Geek Dad. You've, how long have you been doing that? Uh, so it's about, about three and a half years now. And you get to cover all these board game spaces. Uh, what's, what's it like? So people who are listening, they read your column, they read your, your stuff. I follow you on Twitter and your, uh, your Geek Dad on Wired.com. Uh, it, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's a it's a it's a really great gig. Um, you know, it's it's funny because um, you know, when I started writing for it, I, I was living in a small town in, in western Kansas, um, and I, you know, I'm sitting in my living room, you know, at my computer typing things, and there are people responding to stuff I write about. And and it was it was sort of it was sort of mind blowing. Like oh, that's really cool. You know, I can write something, and and it actually, you know, if I write about a Kickstarter project, I get feedback from the, you know, the people who ran the projects and saying, hey, you know, we saw a bump in the number of you know backers we got after your post went up, um, and, and it gave me this this feeling of you know I can actually, I can actually help small you know game designers. Um, by writing about them in a way that you know, if I write about, um, you know, Settlers of Catan, right. They, they, they appreciate it. They, they write me thank yous and say, Hey, thanks for mentioning, you know, Settlers. Right. But they don't really need it. Right. You they're they're, they're going to be successful. Right. Right. Yeah. Days of wonder, you know, when they have it, they announce a new map for ticket to ride, you know, I will write about it because I like ticket to ride, but you know, I don't know how much my post really matters to them in the long run. Well, because I do right. know, you know, when you've got like three guys who came up with a game idea and they have no marketing machine, that when I write about them on Geek Dad, you know, it's a really, uh, it, it, it's a it's a huge thing. So, so Jonathan, you know that because I have thousands of listeners uh, for each episode, <laughs> and they're going to hear this and they're going to go, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to." F- I'm going to get my game in front of him. Okay, so we, we need to kind of we need to we need to reset expectations on our listeners here. 
what, so give some advice here. What is it that you're looking for? And what is the advice that you give then when you look at a project and say, oh, man, if they, if they had just done that, here's some things they could have done. And what kind of a things are you looking for when you're looking at those games? All right. Well, I, I did write a post uh, back in September called How to Kickstart Your Project. And, uh, and, and it was because, I mean, as uh, not just myself, but as, as the, he had, you know, as a, the, the staff as a whole, we get a lot of, uh, of emails asking us to say, you know, to plug Kickstarter projects, um, a lot of them. I mean, every day, every single day, we probably get at least one or two ask, saying, you know, I've got this project. It's really cool. It's, it's exactly perfect for your readership. Will you please write about us? Um, and, and some of the times, I mean, the biggest, the biggest, uh, problem, the most common problem is we, I go and check out the project and they have three days left and they've hit, you know, 10% of their goal and they're contacting me now right. and saying, will you please check out my project and write about it? You know, in those cases, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's too late. Um, yes, I write for Geek Dad, but I, I, yeah, there's just only so much I can do. And if I write about this project, my readers are going to go, there's no way. And they're not going to back you. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, ideally what I prefer for a board game project is, you know, if they contact me right at lunch or even prefer more preferably before lunch and say, here, I've got this idea or I've got this prototype and send it to you. You can try it out, and you'll have a review ready before the Kickstarter launches. You know that's that's ideal. Um, do you accept Do you accept prototypes from people who are about to launch, just like you accept uh, proto- um, games from the yeah. larger manufacturers? So if somebody has a yeah. prototype and they want you to review it, they they can send it to you. They can they can get in touch with me, and I'll and you know I I do try to say I'll look at the project and say okay yeah, let me see if it's a game that I think I'd be interested in. Yeah, you don't want you people know, just sending you blindly these prototypes, that, right? And then unfortunately they've wasted their money, and you're not going to write about it, right? You know, because there's there's certain games you know I I don't have uh, any experience with role playing games, and so yeah, there's a lot of great role playing game projects out there. But if they contact me, I'll say you know what we've got other geek dads play role play games, I'm just not one of them. I can't I don't have the you know, the experience and the knowledge to write about your project uh, intelligently. So I'm not gonna take that. Um, I got another question. How important as you're writing out there and you're talking about getting that feedback, how important is it to you when you write a column to see those comments that are actually posted on the column itself? It's it's nice to be able to see what, what people you know to, to get to get some feedback, right? It is definitely nice to get feedback. Um, one of the one of the problems is uh, the way that our blog is set up. I don't get alerts when someone comments on a blog post. So this is so. What, this is what we're gonna do. Okay, listeners, if you're gonna comment on one of Jonathan's blogs posts, tweet him that you commented, and he'll get the alert, right? Yeah, I mean, t- yeah. Twitter, Twitter is, is certainly the easiest, like, quick way to get my attention. Um, I, I feel so many people that you know, if you're just tweeting in general, I may not see it. But if, but said, if you tweet at me, I will see it. And what's your Twitter uh, handle? Uh, Jonathan H. Lou. And so let me just spell that out for everybody. It's yeah. J O N A T H A N 
the letter H, L-I-U, Jonathan H. Liu, at, uh, on the Twitter. So that's, and then if they, yeah. if they want to go to your blog, you're on Geek Dad. Yep, so geekdad.com. Geekdad.com, or if they go to wired.com, they can find it there as well. Right, it's listed under, under the blog's uh, menu. You'll see Geek Dad listed there. But geekdad.com, and then um, they can find your information. And then you, you blog for one other location, right? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, and again, this is one that I haven't done for a little while now, but uh, Common Sense Media. Um, Common Sense Media. Is it just yeah. commonsensemedia.com? Uh, .org. .org, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's sort of resource resource for uh, parents uh, who want to know you have content content wise what's what's in an app what's in a um, movie or book um, they they tend to give you know sort of uh, ratings and reviews based you know, that that are that are maybe less uh, less about like less lengthy than what I do. On Geek Dad, uh, they tend to be little short paragraphs and little short blurbs about, you know, here's how much, um, you know, viol- what what sort of violence is in this? You know, is it animated or is it, you know, photorealistic? Sure. Uh, things like that. If the game is actually educational, did my did my child learn something from this? So, um, my last question, because we're just about out of time, when are you going to come out with your Kickstarter project? <laughs> um, a friend of mine. Uh, and I actually have been working on a, a board game. Uh, we're we're getting there, but uh, I, I think you know pro- probably probably not before the end of this year. We'll we'll work on it. You'll you'll see an announcement when we do. And I'm sure there's several people that would love to prototype it for you and write reviews for you. I hope so. Well, you, just, you put it out there, and I think uh, some people will be interested. And of course, when you get close to that, we'll have to have you back on the show, and we'll talk about the process that you went through to get it to Kickstarter. We'd love to do that. Jonathan, I appreciate the time that you've taken to kind of talk about the industry and a little bit about Geek Dad and and Kickstarter. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, episode 99. Uh, My guest has been Jonathan H. Liu, who is a contributor for Geek Dad and covers the board game iOS space and uh, has written some great stuff on Kickstarter. You can follow him on Twitter at Jonathan H. Liu on the Twitter handle, and uh, he'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you've heard something that has been inspiring. Uh, this has been some good stuff. If you've got a Kickstarter project out there, we're looking forward to seeing it on Kickstarter so that we can help you fund your dream. Take care.